Alrighty, alrighty. Good morning. How are you guys feeling this morning? Can you guys do something with me? I just got done playing drums. I'm actually very out of breath. So can you guys just take a deep breath with me? Go. Let's get one more in. Let's get one more. Ready? All right. Feeling a little bit more ready now. Cool, cool. Well, I'm excited to hop into Hebrews for week four. How many of you guys have loved this series in Hebrews? Anybody enjoyed it? Raise your hand if you've liked it. I have loved this series. I've read Hebrews multiple, multiple times throughout my life, and it's been awesome. I've dove, like, dove into it before, but I feel like this is the first time that I've fully been able to unpack some of the goodness that the author of Hebrews is bringing to us, some of the promises, some of the goodness that we find of our Savior in Hebrews. And as I was preparing for this this week, I was kind of got uh, thought of a, a hot topic. How many of you guys like Taylor Swift? If you're a Swifty, Elias... Can anyone vouch for this guy? Does he actually have a poster of Taylor Swift? Did his mommy put it there or did he get it? You put it there? Okay. So some of you guys might be Swifties, okay? Hey, I said this joke in uh, high school on Wednesday night. I don't think they liked it, but I said, hey, if you're Swifty, I'll pray for you after service so you find some good music. I think they actually booed me. But hey, we'll get you some good music at some point. But I've been thinking about Taylor Swift. I don't know about you guys, but this girl has changed up so much in my lifetime. I remember when she first came out, she was this cute Disney Channel, like, country star and had these, like, little, like, cute country songs, you know? And then now, now she's, like, doing pop music and, like, somewhat of rock. And now she's the Kansas City Chief. She's got, like, a five-year extended contract with them for this next season. But, right, this, Taylor Swift has changed up so much. She's always changing. And I also thought, like, pop culture is always changing. I was just, like, thinking of all these things that are constantly changing. And it brought me to this. Have you guys heard of an oxymoron before? It's where you have something and something that shouldn't go together, but they kind of do, right? What was that? Jumbo shrimp. Yes, I love it. I have this oxymoron, though, that our world is consistently changing. Think about that. Our world is consistently changing. And I think it's crazy. We think about it like everything in our lives since you guys were born is probably different. Social media, the way we talk, our language, wherever we're at, relationships, things change so often. I don't know about you guys, but... Who loves change all the time? Any of you guys, have any, has anybody moved a few times in their life? Oh, wow, you guys have all moved. Change is not fun, right? Going to a new place, trying to settle down, getting into new routines, change is not an easy thing. It's not fun. We don't enjoy change. My wife and I, we just moved here, as you guys know, and I feel like I've shared this before, but we've had a, like, a really inconsistent like six months where we've been moving, changing jobs, Settling down, making new friends, and then having to make more new friends. It's been crazy. We don't like change as people, but for some reason, we always invite change all the time. We don't love when change happens, but we're always trying to keep up with change. And tonight, or this morning, sorry, Hebrews is offering us this true encouragement that the rest of the world is going to change. Everything is changing all the time. We're in a world that's going to let us down so often. Our friends, our families, the things we put our hopes and trust into, they're going to let us down because they're going to change. They're going to switch up. But author of Hebrews knows that we need something better, something that's not going to change. What I love about what we're going to talk about this morning is not just this cute message of, hey, just put your hope in Jesus, everything's going to be okay. It's a serious call to that when your life is falling apart, when we feel like we have no place to go, when we feel like nothing else is settled in our lives, he gives us this call to put our anchor in Jesus Christ himself. And I was preparing for this message, and I was thinking, how do I make this relevant for all of you guys this morning? How do I make this funny? How do I put in some good jokes? 
And God really convicted me this week, and he said, I don't need to be made relevant. I don't change. I don't need to be put into the time of the culture. I don't need jokes to be made about me so that you guys can relate. That God himself does not change, and he is relatable through all generations. So that's what we're talking about this morning is that God is unchanging. Can you guys say that with me? Say, God is unchanging. Say it one more time. Thank you, Elias. I appreciate it. Thanks, brother. God is unchanging. So this morning, we're going to be diving through a passage. We're going to break it down almost verse by verse, and we're going to look at all the goodness of God and his faithfulness and his promises to us that we as believers get to hold on to because we have a loving Father who is unchanging and has promised us good. Will you guys bow your heads and let's pray this morning. Jesus, we invite you in right now. We invite you into this room and we just invite you in to the service, God. Get me out of the way and make you at the center. Reveal to us how you love us and how your love is unchanging and how, God, you will never switch up on us, God, but you will always be consistent with who you've said you are. And God, we are thankful for that. That when we feel like we have nowhere else to run to, when we feel like we don't have consistency, God, we know that you always will be consistent, that you will always be faithful, you will always be true to your promises, God. So this morning, will you open up our hearts, open up our minds to receive what you have. Help us to trust you a little deeper. Help us to, to seek your faithfulness and your goodness in our lives this morning. Jesus, we love you. We invite you in. And everyone said, amen. All righty. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. We got a good little chunk of passage. Are you guys ready to go for a little story time with me? All right. It's going to be up on the screen. It's what it says. says, for, he, sorry, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. Say, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise. Keep that in mind, the unchangeable purpose. That's good stuff. That he guaranteed it with an oath. So that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. All right, there's three things that I want us to dive into this morning. The first one that I want to look at is that God's word is unchanging. Can you guys say God's word is unchanging? Does anybody have someone that is so unreliable in your life that you cannot trust them with anything they say? Elias, that's, that's you for me. I'm um, just kidding. I'm just kidding, bro. But we all have that person in our life that we, like, we know for sure that we cannot take them at their word. We know that they're going to fall through. Who was it? Was it? Is it Ethan Arndt this morning? Yeah. He was telling us a story of how his dad promised him or told him that this fireworks show was for his birthday. And it was actually just like 4th of July or something. But our parents... Sometimes, yeah, we all have someone that is untrustworthy. In high school, I had this basketball coach, and I loved the guy to death. Great man of God, amazing coach, had so much wisdom. But there came a point in the season where I knew I could not take this guy's word. He always made a lot of empty promises to us on the team. There's this summer, we're getting ready for fall, and we're in like our summer camps, and we're getting ready, and he promises me, he's like, Nate, you're going to be my dude this year. He's like, you're going to be my starting point guard. You're going to be like, we're going to run all of this through you. We're going to go win a state championship. This is going to be amazing. And I was in high school, I was like, heck yeah, let's do this, guys. And then I get to the season. Apparently he had promised this to like four other people. 
He's told all these other guys in the summer that, hey, you're going to be the starting point guard. You're going to be like my dude. And he got buddy-buddy with all of us. And then at the end, only one of us actually got to get that starting position. All of us had such bad trust issues with this coach for the rest of the season. We could never trust him because we realized that all those empty promises that he had made for us were not coming true. And the author of Hebrews, what I love is he's so intentional with his writing. The author of Hebrews has written this book so perfectly that he knows for us to be able to hear the encouragement that he's about to bring. And we're going to get into that in a few minutes. He knows that he has to establish the credibility of who we're putting our hope and trust in. He has to establish the credibility of the one whose word is overall. But sometimes it's hard for us to take people at their word. Sometimes it's hard for us to trust that God is good and that his word is faithful. And so he brings in this guy named Abraham. How many of you guys have heard of Abraham before? Yeah, good old Abraham, good guy, right? And he brings in this story of one of the most important covenants that we see God make with man. We see God make a promise with man on earth. And we see him promise to Abraham and he says, hey, you're going to have many descendants that your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. And that's a lot of descendants. That's a lot of kids. But ultimately, Abraham was old and had zero kids at this point. He had no, no family. It was just him and his wife. And so God makes this promise to him and says, hey, this is going to happen in future years. And Abraham is probably doubting this promise. He's like, are you sure, God? Like, is this actually going to happen to you? Are you going to follow through on your word? And we see this moment where God makes an oath with him. But I love, I love what it says. It says, can we put up Hebrews, that first passage we were in? It says, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by himself, he swore by himself. And I mean this with no intent to use the Lord's name in vain, but how many of you guys have heard someone say, I swear to God? Right, we have to swear by someone greater. And God says, hey, I am the greatest there is. Abraham, I give you my word. I'm swearing to you, I'm giving you my word. The God of all heavens and all authority, he puts his reputation on the line. He says, if my word isn't good, then he says, I, I give you my word. And I'm putting my reputation on the line for this. But he also goes one step further, and he makes an oath. How many of you guys have heard an oath before? A lot of times we hear, like, put it in writing or a handshake. We hear these things that to make a, a promise or the words true, we see an oath. And we see God go one step further and make this oath and seal the promise. It says, for people swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. You guys want to hear something kind of disgusting. So in the old ancient Israelites, what they would do to make a promise is they would cut up these animals in half. They'd slaughter them, right? And they would split them apart. And they put them on two separate sides. So they put some of the dead animals over here and some of the dead animals over here. And the two guys are going into a promise. So say, like, I promise to buy you a cheeseburger later. They're like, okay, we got we to gotta put an oath onto this. So these, me and this guy, we'd walk through these animals that had been slaughtered. And we walked through the middle of it. And that sealed that that was a promise that we were keeping, that we were sealing an oath. That if I don't keep my promise, then what happened to these animals, may that happen to me. And God does this with Abraham. He says, if I don't keep my word, may I be slaughtered just like these animals. Genesis 15, 17 through 21, it says, For when the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, I give you this land to your offspring from the brook of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River. So we see God make this oath, this promise with Abraham. What's so cool is that God was content not only just to give Abraham his word, not to just say, hey, I promise you this. Because he knew that people have trust issues. We have trust issues with people. We've been let down so often. What was so cool is that he confirms his promise by means of an oath. We might ask ourselves, why did God feel the need to do this? It's because he wanted to show his unchangeable purpose to us. That his promises were going to be true forever. It tells us that he desired to show us more convincingly his purpose to all the heirs. 
He made this oath to Abraham, this ex- a marvelous example of God meeting our needs, where we sometimes have disbelief. God comes down and reveals himself to Abraham. How many of you guys have ever needed someone to make sure that they're going to follow through on their promise? We all have, right? And that's exactly what God does. He, he knows that we have trust issues. I, will lo- I love what John Calvin writes. He says, see how kindly God, as a gracious father, accommodates himself to our slowness to believe. We're often slow to believe, guys. And as he sees that we rest not on his simple word, that he might more fully impress it on our hearts, he adds an oath. In his love, God decided not to leave us doubting, to give us this great story of him showing his faithfulness so that we wouldn't doubt. The pure act of grace, and he didn't have to do this, but he did because he loves us. But what's so cool about this is that God's word is good. God's word is unchanging. But we can also take Abraham's word for it, a guy that we know is real as well. We know that Abraham was a historical figure. What does it say? It says that he waited patiently for the promise. He waited patiently for the promise. The author of Hebrews asks us to consider this man Abraham, who got these these promises and this oath from God. And says, hey, consider this man who experienced the promise, that trusted that God was good and got to see the promise on the other end. And I love that we see God's word does not change all throughout scripture, from this promise in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. I've got a few instances I want us to look at this morning. Psalms 102.27 says, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Psalms 119.89 says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Seasons change, things will come and go. Things change all the time, but our word, the word of our God will not fail. I love what Isaiah 40 verse 8 says. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. Some good stuff that the Lord does not change. His word does not change. His promises do not change. And that leads us into our second thing today is that God's promises to us are unchanging. God's promises to us are unchanging because we have seen that he has kept his promises to Abraham and all these other people all throughout the Old Testament, into the New Testament, all throughout Scripture. We see God's word does not change. What this creates in us is this this trust to know that God's promises to us will never change. That he will never go back on the promise he has made for us. What is this new, co- this new promise? Have you guys heard of the new covenant before? Yeah. How many of you guys have taken communion before? It's such a beautiful promise to us. And we're going we're gonna to take some time to take communion later today. But I want to talk about this promise, this new promise that God made to us as believers. We had this promise to Abraham that he was going to give him descendants and bless him, and he, God came through on this. But then we see that God has made us a promise. Say, God has made me a promise. That was really weak. One more time. Say, God has made me a promise. promise. That was a little better. You guys were like, let me just make a promise. It was really sad. But I think when we feel most abandoned in life, when we feel most ready to give up, when we feel like, man, is this God thing even worth it? It's when we feel abandoned by God. It's when we feel like, is he actually going to come through on his promises? Is he actually there for me? Does he actually care about me? That's when we feel so ready to give up. And I think that's why God gave us this new covenant to show us that he's not distant, to show us that God has not left us, he has not abandoned us, and that he truly, deeply cares about us. He wouldn't ask us to put our hope and trust into something that wasn't reliable. He loves us too much. He says, I I love these people so much, and I want them to put their trust into something, so it's me. I'm the only one that's reliable. My word is good, and he gives us this promise of the new covenant. Hebrews 8, 10 through 12, it says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And each person will not teach his fellow citizen and each brother or sister saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and I will never again 
remember their sins. Ben, can we just leave that scripture up for a few minutes? I'll let you know when we can take it down. We see three promises here. The first one that we see is that the law is written on our hearts. Everybody point to your hearts. Say, my heart. What we see in this is that the law is written on our hearts. What this meant is that the old covenant, that the ancient Israelites, what they walked in was this relationship with God that was out of mere duty. It was out of what they were able to do, how they could follow the law. It was how they could perform, basically. And God was tired of a following base. He was tired of his people just doing it out of duty, tradition, and religion. He was tired of them just trying to fulfill this law and not have a relationship with their hearts with him. He wanted a new covenant that was based on relationship where people loved God and he loved them. That it wasn't based on what they were able to do. It wasn't based on their works. I love this promise because it calls us to give our hearts to the Lord. Not just what we're able to do, not just how good of a Christian we're able to be, but it's a relationship that's based on something greater. It's our hearts. And we can truly hold on to something knowing that we're following God because he loves us and we love him. The second one is that it says that we know the Lord. It says that know the Lord. What's so beautiful about this is, second promise, we see the people in ancient Israelites again, that they had this old covenant where they didn't truly know God. They had these high priests, as Cam was just talking about. That was great stuff, Cam. Thank you so much. But as we were talking about is that they had these high priests and these, these prophets, these people that basically knew God on behalf of the people. Wouldn't that be hard? Like imagine trying to know your parents, but you couldn't fully actually know them. Like you had to go through your brother or sister to know your parents. Wouldn't that be kind of like hard and weird? Like do I actually know my parents, the ones that love me? Like you could just kind of see it from afar. And we see this new covenant that God said, I want my people to know me. I want my people to know who I am. I want to know who they are personally. People in the old covenant only knew God through the law and what he had said through prophets. But now we have a God who invites his people to know him on a deeper level as a friend. And he promises us that this will always be the case, that we will always get to know our God. And the third one is our sins are remembered no more. And this is probably the most popular one that we remember. Jesus' death on the cross and his blood that was spilt for us and his body that was broken for us. But it's the promise that we've been given forgiveness of sin and a restored connection when when our sin and our darkness had disconnected us from God. It's this promise that we will always be able to be reconnected back with God, our Heavenly Father, the one who loves us. A promise for the opportunity of salvation, to be able to be saved from our sin and darkness. And so often we can lose sight of this though. We can so often lose sight of this promise. We can so often say, God doesn't really want to know me. Or maybe God just wants what I'm able to offer to him. Maybe he just wants like, I just did a good deed today. Maybe we say, am I really saved through the blood of Jesus? The answer is yes, as God has promised us all three of these things. What I love, what we see a lot in Hebrews, is he says, inheritors of the promise, or heirs of the promise. And what I love about this word is that inheritors or heirs, they don't earn, they receive. When you think of old kings and queens, they'd had to do nothing but be born. And we have been born into God's family, and we have to accept the gift that he's given us, accept the, pri- or sorry, the promise that he's given to us. That we don't have to earn it, but that we get to receive it because we are inheritors of this promise because we have a high priest that is forever. So thirdly, because we know that God's word is unchanging, we know that his promise to us is unchanging. And third, we know that our hope is unchanging this morning. The thing that we can place our hope, our trust, our everything into this morning is unchanging. It's important to note that God swore his promises not just to Abraham, but also to the heirs. That's us. God knew that future generations of his people would be tempted to give up on him. How many of you guys have ever been tempted to give up on God? I know I have plenty of times. I've been like, God, are you good? Who are you? What are you doing? 
He knew that we would find these, these places in life where we experience this. And that's exactly what this whole book of Hebrews is. It's the people that were being persecuted for their faith and they were getting ready to give up on God. They didn't know if this promise, this new covenant was even worth it. That's so true for us today. 2,000 years later, as we're on this journey of faith through an unbelieving world, we have the ability to place our hope and our trust into something. In a world where we're seeking to find something where we can anchor our lives to, because we have to anchor to something. Because if not, we're just gonna be floating around in a dark sea of sin and guilt and darkness. But I love what Hebrews told, tells us. It says that, so the two unchangeable things, so the promise that God made that we saw that we just went through those three things in the oath, which was Jesus' blood for us. You see that through these two unchangeable things, it is impossible for God to lie. That we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Hebrews calls us refugees. People that are lost. People that are searching for something. I don't know about you guys, but we are all searching for something. We're searching of where, where can I put my life into can I put it into this fashion statement? Can I put it into this sport? Where am I going to put my life? Where am I going to root myself into? We're refugees looking for something. And the author of Hebrews gives us this idea. He says, hey, how about Jesus? Does that sound pretty solid to you? Does that sound pretty good? How about Jesus? How about the one who is never going to change on us? These two unchangeable things, knowing that we have a promise and we have an oath, encourages us to plead for refuge to our Christ, to Jesus. Hebrews 6.20 says, Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. When we put our hope and our trust in God, we get to anchor ourselves to eternal salvation. We get to anchor ourselves to a life with our forever father, to the one who loves us. Our hope is sure, because it's grounded in our faithful and unchangeable God. Our hope reminds us that our present and troubled existences will end, guys. Isn't that beautiful? How many of you guys have, have faced struggles and troubles? It's gonna end someday because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done for us. We will dwell forever in the holiest place where we experience the Lord face to face. And this is his promise to us. It's an anchor. It leads us to the place where we'll be with God forever. But we can only be taken into this place because of what Jesus has done before us. Only because of what Jesus did on the cross are we able to enter into this hope, anchor ourselves to the hope of Jesus. We can only go there because he first offered the sacrifice of his body. We can only go in because Christ forever is the high priest. I love what John Owen writes. He says, even heaven would be no safe place for us to fix the anchor of our trust and hope and if Christ were not there. He tells us, if we're just trying to place our hope in our Christianity or hopefully maybe someday we make it to heaven because that sounds like the right thing to do, he says, it's, it's never gonna be worth it. He says, if your hope and your faith and your trust and your whole life is not placed in the one who loves you and his, un, and his love is unchanging, if you're not willing to put it in Jesus and it's, it's all, it's not worth it. If we weren't here because of Jesus, this would be worthless today. And that's the truth is that we can't just show up on a Sunday and just hope that life is going to be okay. We have to truly decide that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy into this. I've, I choose to put my trust and my hope fully into the one who has saved me. That's what I want us to get out today is that our hope is anchored in unchanging salvation. That we will always have a way back home. When we feel like we're lost at sea in our sin and our darkness and this chaos, this constantly changing world, we will always have a way back and that's through Jesus we know that God's word is trustworthy and it's, it's unchanging. It's never going to change. He's not going to go back on this promise. This promise will never change. So our hope is unchanging today. Any doubts that we may have that God is good and he's faithful, it's all erased. It's all disputed through the blood of Jesus this morning. Any times where we've wondered, is this worth it? 
Should I even be pursuing Christ? Should I even be doing this? Jesus' blood says it is because that blood was given for you. He says it's worth it because I loved you. So many of us are trying to find something to hold on to this morning. And for our lives, you guys are in middle school. You have got a long life ahead of you. I want to tell you guys that you have the greatest opportunity to place this hope in Jesus now before it gets hard and too late. Because I guarantee that the longer you wait to put your hope and your trust and put everything into Jesus, it's going to get a lot harder as that road keeps on going. The author of Hebrews, he uses the word today all over the place because he's, he doesn't tell us, hey, maybe someday you should put your hope and trust in Jesus. He says, today, you must, because it's the only thing that you truly can hold on to. And so this morning, will you guys stand with me?